Hello, pod people. This is Historical AF, and I hope you're ready for dark days, because our topic is dark. I'm Natalie. I'm Kina. And we are a historian and a librarian bringing you the weird, funny, spooky, and morbid historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. Yep, and those ear holes are going to be filled with funeral customs, because this is episode 26, bitch. <laughs> I'm actually really excited for this topic. I am too, unfortunately. <laughs> I know, it sounds probably incredibly morbid, but yeah, it was so interesting, and I am I'm pumped. I went down a very dark, deep, 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 deep research hole, and I spent way too long, but I'm really excited because I found some really good shit. Woo! Yeah. I think it's a really cool topic, too, because you can see what people in the past have done and how our attitudes have changed a lot with uh, death. (laughs) Some people are partying, and I I was doing my research being like, huh, maybe I want that one. It is really interesting. Every country, every state in the United States, like everywhere, like as small as a town or a village to the whole country have different customs. Um, So the variety of it is amazing and weird and creepy and sometimes gross. But respectful. (laughs) I mean, because if that's what you do and that's what you love, then that's great. This is this is a respectful, morbid episode (laughs) absolutely i was thinking that too because i have funny and i'm like it's not really funny it's just one of those things where you're kind of like oh (laughs) nothing here is gonna be i know we label everything funny and weird but we don't mean it to make fun of anybody so it's just a it's unusual for us yeah i love it you do not use that culture or you don't use that whatever it is it's unusual for you or interesting kind of funny really digging it i like seeing what other people do Outside the southern <laughs> U.S. <laughs> where yes. we are acquainted. Southern oh. Bills. Yeah. So how was your week, Natalie? It has been very good. I have been obsessed with Mario Kart on my phone. <laughs> it's on a phone? Yes, it is, unfortunately. <laughs> I did not know that. Oh. <laughs> Damn it, Emery. <laughs> he was playing it while we were watching TV and... I, I couldn't resist, but I played it some too. And he just was like, you should really, you should get on this Mario Kart too, and then we can be friends. So I have one friend. It is him. And oh, I, I play it every chance I get. Oh, I might need that in my life. I don't, I don't need it, but I want it. Oh, I love Mario Kart. Yep. You earn players. Oh, cool. That was one of my favorite things to do with the teens is just kick their ass in Mario Kart. Cause they'd be so mad. Oh, it's, it's so great. It is a simpler Mario Kart. Like, there's not as many levels or there's not many roads as there are in the other in the game. So it is a simplified version, but it is still very enjoyable. And um, I might have a problem. (laughs) So, Kina, how was your week? Oh, it's good. So by the time this comes out, I will have had surgery. (laughs) So I've been prepping for that. So this past weekend. I'm trying to get all the Halloween stuff out of my system before I can't walk because <laughs> my surgery is my ankle. So we went to Fright Fest. And it was amazing. Oh my, so God, it was so <laughs> oh, my God. It's so good. We didn't go into the haunted houses, though, but I liked all the scare zones. They're really cool. Mm-hmm. I posted some videos to my Instagram if you follow me, but it was great because I didn't get scared. Zeke did, though, and it was amazing. <laughs> 
but they were looking they have so they have fog everywhere and you can't see and they got like big red lights and they it's very spooky but they would i could see the actors and they were looking for people that were looking away and not paying attention and then they'd run up and get in front of you and when you turned around to walk it would scare the shit out of you and that's what they did to seek I even tugged on his shirt being like, hey, to warn him because I'm a good wife and he still didn't care. So he got scared <laughs> by a werewolf. <laughs> nice. And I cackled. Oh, so good. It was fun. And then the next day we did Oktoberfest at the Riverwalk and it was awesome. And it was fun because you can get big ass beers and you can walk up and down the Riverwalk. Six Flags, though, in October is my absolute favorite time. I, I recommend it to everybody. If they ever mention Six Flags, I'm like, October. Go in October. One of my favorite is they have a very tall Grim Reaper on stilts. Oh, and they yeah. give him contact so he doesn't have to blink. And so he just stares at you the whole time. And it's so creepy. I In fourth grade, I have a picture with our whole family. We went and we took a picture with Dead Elvis. That's what it is. Because they have dead <laughs> people walking around. And they play theme song music from... Mike Myers from Freddy Krueger. They play it all day long. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. Yeah, it was really cool. We got there about five and we rode some roller coasters and then they had like a big train that pulled up and then all the stilts people got off the train. But they were playing This is Halloween and all I could think is, that's Disney. (laughs) (laughs) Oh well. But yeah, it was really cool. I saw the Grim Reaper guy. I don't know how he was moving so fast and stilts. That's some talent. It's impressive. It was really fun. And I got to go back because we didn't. <laughs> Zeke will kill me. But yeah, he lost his phone while we were there. So we spent oh. like a good hour looking for his phone. And then my <laughs> eternal optimism was like, let's go tell them it's missing where I think you lost it. And then tomorrow they'll call us and be like, we found it. And he's like, there's no way in fuck that's going to happen. And then boom, eight o'clock in the morning, they called. We're like, a patch found. Eternal optimism one, Zeke zero. <laughs> and he got scared. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he got scared. It was my Don't night. Don't Not his. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It was fun. So now that we talked about intro into dead people, shall we start our funeral customs? Yes. But first, a word from our sponsor. Have you ever been in the wine aisle at your local store just staring at the massive section of wine with no idea which bottle to choose? Most of us go with the bottle that has been the best looking label and hope that it's going to be good. Well, the days of playing Russian roulette with your wine selections are over. Wink is a revolutionary new wine club that takes the guesswork out of choosing your wine. They have a simple six question palate quiz that will match you with delicious high quality wine that you are guaranteed to love. The best part is that Wink will actually ship your wine straight to your door. No more going to the store and being lost in the wine aisle. Oh, I love the straight to my door. Right now, Wink is offering our listeners $22 off your first order when you go to trywink.com slash historical AF. And that's Wink, W-I-N-C. And it gets even better. I know you all hate paying for shipping. It's like you do. <laughs> so Wink <laughs> actually will pay for your shipping on orders of four bottles or more. So take something off your to-do list. Go trywink.com slash historical AF to get $22 off your first order right now. One, two, three, go. That's trywink.com slash historical AF. Uh, right, who's going first? I know, we're both excited now. I know. 
You want to go first now since I went last time? Sure. I would like to go first because I would like to start the party very sad with our Mormon. <laughs> just get it right out of the gate. <laughs> We're just ripping off that Band-Aid and I just need, I need to get this done so we can bring us back up, basically. Because <laughs> this, this one made me sad and that's pretty bad. So, this is a funeral custom in India. It's called a sati. And it is where a widow would burn herself with her husband. Oh, my God. I've heard of that. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so terrible. Yes. Oh, my God. Please tell me more. (laughs) Okay. So I'll be reading from an article on and off. It's from the culturetrip.com. You can see the author is Risha Jane. And she goes all into why this is important. That you should know this, basically. Because it is it is really interesting and it's so sad. I'm sorry. I'm sure if, if I get married, I will love that person so much. But that does not mean I want to burn myself after they die. Uh, this is going to be a big hard pass for me, too. Sorry, Zeke. <laughs> Let alone that you're ending your life, but also that is such a painful way to go out. Oh, God, yeah. That's oh, that's probably, like, top three worst for me ways to go. So, a sati, and it's spelled S-A-T-I, if you ever want to look it up. In myth- mythological terms, a sati was the name of the wife of Lord Shiva. Her father never respected Shiva and often despised him. To protest against the hatred that her father held for her husband, she burned herself. While she was burning, she prayed to be reborn as Shiva's wife again. This did happen. They believed that it this did happen. Mm-hmm. And her new incarnation was called Pavati. People used to justify the practice based on this tale, but when Sati burned herself she wasn't a widow and thus the practice is quite unrelated to this tale so oh, that's a direct man. quote from the i wonder so if that's what connected that dot god damn yeah so that's where it basically began listening to that tale that fable i'm not sure how you would start it off but that is what it said it started off as a voluntary act that the wife would do this And eventually became forced. Oh, no. Yes. Oh. According to ancient Hindu customs, sati symbolized closure to a marriage. It was a voluntary act in which, as a sign of being a dutiful wife, a woman followed her husband to the afterlife. It was therefore considered to be the greatest form of devotion of a wife towards her dead husband. (laughs) Sorry. Excuse me. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) <laughs> but what do the husbands have to do? Like, why aren't they devoted? I know. I wonder if a wife dies first, what does the husband do? Oh, probably. Not. I don't think there is any custom of them having to die because their wife died. They'll probably marry someone younger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. This is awful, but I have to make some sort of joke to uh, get through this. History is a son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. All right, continuing. With time, it became a forced practice. Women who did not wish to die like this were forced to do so in different ways. Traditionally, a widow had no role 
to play in society and was considered a burden. So if a woman had no surviving children who could support her, she was pressured severely to accept the sati. Oh my basically. god. Oh. <laughs> Keep going. We're, we're, we're trugging along. <laughs> oh, okay. Bear with me. Historical records tell us that sati first appeared between 320 to 550 CE during the rule of Guptu Empire. And I will say y'all have to forgive me for any mispronunciation of these words because I don't speak this language. So I'm sorry. That's a long time for this. Yes. That was a long time ago. Yes. So this has been going on since 320. Oh my God. So close to 2000 years, basically 1700 years. Oh my god. Incidents of Sati were first recorded in Nepal in 426. So that is actually the first written record. Oh wow. And, and later on in Madhra Pradesh in 510 CE, the practice was then spread to Rajasthan, where most number of Sati cases happened over the centuries. Initially, the practice of Sati was confined to royal families, mm-hmm. but later the lower classes started doing it too and became widely practiced all over. Oh gosh. Mm. It hit its peak in the 15th and 18th centuries during the period. As many as a thousand widows were burned alive every year, most commonly in India and Nepal. However, records show that the practice was also popular in other traditions and in other countries, Russia, Fiji, and Vietnam have done this too. Oh no. (laughs) I'm sorry, I feel like we're on, we're on record, Keenan. Oh! Oh. <laughs> oh! Just the fact that it's spreading. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh, man. Various accounts tell us about different ways in which ritual sati was carried out. Most accounts either describe women seated on their husband's funeral fire or lying down next to the dead body. Some just actually walked in after it was lit, and some lit it themselves while they were sitting on it. Sometimes a hut was built around them and they would light it on fire. Sometimes it was a little bit better and they actually could take some sort of poison or drugs to where Mm. they were already started dying before or at least would be unconscious by the time the fire had started. And sometimes the widow would actually be snake bitten or would basically cut her own throat or wrist before entering the fire. Nope, nope, don't don't like that. Oh my god. I mean, for the people that just walk into the fire or sitting on the funeral pyre, you would think that just the involuntary reaction of survival would make you try to leave. I, I I'm oh, I'm assuming people that didn't volunteer would be tied down or something. Because wouldn't your instinct be? jerk away from the fire oh my god it's so scary pretty much yeah they would have to drug me for sure oh my god snake bite too oh, i hate snakes oh it's just so much nightmare fuel all in one sentence natalie <laughs> i know that's why i'm like let me get this over with and have a good cry and then come back and we can laugh some about something else <laughs> okay all right don't worry we're, we're getting close to the end okay so now we're going to a little bit of some social exceptions. The first sati rule stated that any window, widow 
who was pregnant or on their period or had a very young child couldn't partake in this ritual. And I wonder how many lied. (laughs) Oh, I would lie so hard. (laughs) Just 30 days, all of them. Just sorry. For the next 30 years. (laughs) Can't help you. Menopause, what's that? I don't know. Watch out, PMS bitch. (laughs) She don't come here. <laughs> oh my god. That was crazy. There were also women that were from the Brahmin. That's kind of like their priests, the Hindu priests. Mm-hmm. And teachers and sort of almost like a spiritual nobleman. That's kind of the sort of the gist I kind of got from it. If, if a woman belonged to them or were in that family, they their karma was actually already okay, like, they didn't need to do that. Oh, okay. So I'm like, okay, I guess you needed to be married to a religious man or have your father or somebody be a teacher or a religious man, basically. One interesting fact, though, is the queens and women of royalty, they actually have stone handprints before giving up their lives. So you can actually find this on certain walls in the inside of... Meherangar Fort. There's actually a picture of hands stacked upon each other, a stone hands on the wall, and that is supposed to represent the women that perform sati. It's like simultaneously so interesting, but also so heart wrenching. Yeah, the last like, thing they did. Yeah. Now, for like to end it. If historical facts are to be believed, the practice was prohibited many, many times, actually, over time. Mm -hmm. Between the 15th and 18th century, 1500, Emperor Akbar outlawed Sati, and in 1663, Aurangzebub, I totally butchered that, but that person also tried to end it. Even the Portuguese, French, and British who came to India during the European period that tried to stop Sati. And in 1850, 1850, y'all, the British hardened their rules against the practice. And Sir Charles ordered to hang to death any Hindu priest who wanted to do this, who presided over a widow burning. Oh, man. And which I'm like, great, we're kind of doing death for death. Yeah. <laughs> but it kind of, it kind of lessened it, though, being that harsh with the rules. So I guess, like, that is the one good thing, I guess, for British invasion. <laughs> you gotta pick one thing. <laughs> I, I'm like, all right, I'll give you the one, guys. I'll give you the one. They they really try to crack their whip on. Because by this point, you know, more women were actually being forced. This mm-hmm. isn't a voluntary thing. This is more people forcing. And in 19, we're in the 1900s, y'all, 1987. Oh, my God, I was alive. Yes. <laughs> People were alive that we are, that hopefully are listening to about oh. at this point, or close to being alive. In 1987, in the village of Rajasthan, an 18-year-old married woman named Rook Kanwar was forced to become Sati when her husband died after eight months of marriage. She refused. Consequently, a group of men from the village forcibly drugged and killed her. 
Oh my god. After only eight months? That's not even... Oh my god. And she was 18. Shouldn't even count at that point. Get an annulment. Do they do that? I don't think they do that at Hindu. Oh my god. Uh, the police investigated the case and those men were arrested. And in lieu of this incident, the government created the Prevention of Sati Act, making it illegal to force or encourage a woman to commit sati. And anyone doing so would be punished by death. And yet, some widows still choose to become sati. Oh, at wow. least four people, at least recorded, so, th- I mean, I- there actually could be more, mm-hmm. but recorded that there have been four people from 2000 to 2015. I don't know within the past couple of years, but four, at least four since 2000, oh still have chosen to do this. I mean, I can understand, I guess, devout religion makes people do a lot of things. Like, I mean, if you really truly believe maybe that you would be reincarnated with your husband, maybe that would be enough to motivate you. Or even if they were older in their life, let's say they were in their 70s. Mm-hmm. And you really loved this person and had 30 years of marriage with them. And when they died, you didn't know what you would do. And in grief, you and you believe that you would mm-hmm. be born with them again, however the religion is, or in their afterlife. I'm not positive. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever the next step of life would be that you would join them, then I can understand that. But... To force an 18-year-old, though? Especially when she said no. That's what's so tragic. She's just... She wanted to live. Yeah. And the fact that also it was a voluntary thing becoming forced and how mm-hmm. it's been outlawed for hundreds of years now on and off. Yeah. Or at least discouraged. No, it's crazy. I remembered halfway through this story... <laughs> took a whole class on the British invasion of India and this is how I know about it because we had to read the uh, Rudyard Kipling books and then mm-hmm. a few other ones and there was a story that he wrote about some woman it would have been in the 1850s I think what you said yeah, so tragic yeah oh my god which highly recommend really hard class don't take the class but read the book really good book so sad. I think it's so crazy, too. We have kind of a disconnect because our culture wouldn't do that. We don't yeah. really have an equivalent to that. So it's really easy for us to be like, I would never do that. But if you live that culture, yeah. you, you know, practice that religion, it's probably yeah. not that far-fetched. Well, you know, in the last episode or so, we, we talk about sacrificing cannibalism and all kinds of crazy things go on that happened a thousand years ago, mm-hmm. you know, or, and to them at the time it made sense. So like, okay, I, I can always kind of forgive that of the time, but when I see something happening in like a friend's lifetime, you know, 1987, that's not that long ago. No, not at all. Like the fact that I have family, this could be a relative of mine that could have suffered this. And just the fact that this is going on in the world, I had no idea. Yeah. So that's how I took morbid this time. I looked at what has been banned. That was my take. Just because of a a sad topic already, because it's death. Um, I looked at what 
has been banned. And when I found this one, it just ripped me mm-hmm. apart. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, okay. That's a rough one. <laughs> I'm glad you did that. it though. It's, it's, it's so fascinating and it's interesting, but it needs to be known because this is happening today. This isn't just the mm-hmm. year 320. This was yeah. 2000 now. And of all things to stick around that long, that's that's the thing. Man. All right. I'll do funny. I think we need funny right now. Yeah, gonna, let's bring the funny in. It's not really like funny haha, but it's more like, whoa, people did that, haha. So again, not making fun of people, but this one's really interesting to me because a lot of the funeral practices we have in the United States stemmed from this. So I'm gonna talk about Victorian England. Uh, yeah so i mean a lot of this stuff's gonna sound more familiar to us because you know we do these things i mean obviously mourning's been a thing since the beginning of time but in the 19th century victorians took mourning and funerals and kind of ran with it and they made it into a thing that was so integral to the society their etiquette the arts and even fashion it was like the centerpiece of their entire existence so it to being just a thing that happened to something that you plan for your entire life. So, it's probably because a shitload of people were dying in the 19th century. I mean, <laughs> let's be real here. Three out of every 20 babies died before their first birthday. Those that survived infancy had a life expectancy of only 42 years. If you were probably one of those well-off people, if you were a tradesman, your life expectancy was 25 and if you were a laborer, it was 22. Wow. Right? Victorian yeah. children were at risk of dying from a lot of diseases that have been eradicated and controlled in the 21st century, like smallpox, measles, whooping cough, diphtheria, dysentery, just to name a few. I looked up the top ways people died in the 19th century, and it was things like fever, diarrhea, like, Things that we wouldn't even think twice about because we have medicine and we know how to get rid of it. You have diarrhea, you just had a bad taco. Yeah, yeah. it's just Mother Tuesday. You just went to Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> and then I linked it like today, and it's like cancer, heart disease, you know, stroke. Yeah. So it, it's a huge flip, but oh, it's really crazy to me to think about. So, but even if you survived all the illnesses, you had the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> You lived every day like it was your last because it probably was because there was pollution. There was work accidents (laughs) because there were literally no safety precautions. You had no work breaks. Those didn't exist. And you didn't have like work hours. You just worked till you passed out. So if you survived that, even your home was trying to kill you. So I just listed a few of the things that were common household items that would kill you. So bread. (laughs) I would die instantly. (laughs) Bread was mixed with plaster of Paris, bean flour, chalk, or alum. Alum is an aluminum-based compound that's used in detergent. So this was the motherfucking OG Tide Pod. Not even making this up. Like, (laughs) fresh Tide Pods? Is that what we're reading? (laughs) The next one I found was brassic acid. They thought it purified milk, so it removed the sour taste and smell, which you need. You don't drink it. If it's sour, but anyway. So, the acid itself caused diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, and all that. But the sour milk that they were covering... Yeah, yeah, 
That was even worse because it concealed things like bovine TB. And if you caught that, it damaged your internal organs and the bones of the spine, leading to severe spinal deformities. So even milk is trying to kill you. And then next is radium. <laughs> is what? Radium? radium? Okay. Well, hot damn. Big surprise. Yeah. It was used like asbestos in like everything. It was in cigarettes, condoms, makeup, suppositories, toothpaste, and even fucking chocolate. We would die so hard. I know. I put, I put chocolate on bread. I mean, I mean chocolate croissants. For people who thought I was really weird for a second putting chocolate on bread. Uh, croissant, donut, hello. Yeah, and then you drink it with your glass of milk, and then yeah. you just... Or you dunk it in the hot chocolate. <laughs> I love a croissant and you dunk it in hot chocolate. Oh my god, I'm hungry now. I would so, die so fast. There was also a craze for glow-in-the-dark watch faces that were painted by... They called them radium girls, which I hope one of us covers in the future. But, uh... Okay. Make a note. Yes. It's it's such an interesting... They, they basically glowed. Like, those little glowy fish, you know? Whatever. But anyway. And then there was asbestos, which, you know, hello, cancer. And then fridges leak toxic gases like ammonia, methyl chloride, and sulfur dioxide. Just your fridge. So everything you put, eat... I mean, the fridge is trying to kill you, too. And then just household shit, like paint, had this thing called Paris Green, and it was literally poison. It was just killing people. And then they're just throwing arsenic and cocaine around like confetti. So you're just going to die. No matter what you do, everything's trying to kill you. So that was a weird tangent. But I just wanted to let you know death was a friend at this point. That's probably why funerals was such a big deal. So Queen Victoria really set the tone for these strict funeral customs after the death of her husband, Prince Albert, which we've talked about because, you know, the whole PA piercing. So she was devastated by his passing and mourned him for her entire life. So if you see any kind of picture of Queen Victoria, she's probably in her mourning apparel. She just, I even saw that she would lay out his clothes every day like he was going to be there. It was really sad. Very tragic. But her style of mourning was copied all over the world, especially in England. And it just ushered in this, yeah, (laughs) it ushered in this period of elaborate ritualized behavior after death, including mourning periods, style of dress, and extravagant funeral and burial arrangement, which is my segment. So the whole beginning was a historical detour in disguise, I guess, but you know, got you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Since we know that death was a frequent visitor during the Victorian era, it's no surprise that people began to plan for it when they were young. Dying was an open and ongoing conversation. As death approached, there was no ambiguity, oh my god, words, ambiguity as to what that person wanted or what was expected of the family. The family knew in advance what kind of coffin they wanted, where they wanted to be buried, what they wanted to wear, and women frequently made their own shrouds and even included them in their wedding dowry. Which, to me, this wasn't so crazy because my dad planned his funeral before he died, so... I kind of get this. It was very helpful. So, I don't know. I understand being prepared. You know, already having a will made and an mm-hmm. idea of where you want to be buried. And I know some people already have bought plots. Yeah. And my grandparents bought plots, I don't know how many years ago, mm-hmm. actually. So, I mean, I understand, again, a sense of being prepared. And with my dad, my dad knew he was dying. So, that was the yes. only reason. Like, it was something that was going to happen in a few months. It's not like he prepared when he was a teenager to start saving money for that funeral. That so is true. This is basically, they're starting from the second 
like parents are saving for their kids if something god forbid happened like my grandparents were in their 70s when they started buying their stuff so i'm like okay god none of my grandparents made it to 70 it's not looking good for me (laughs) my grandpa is 87 he's 87 this month actually so oh that's sweet i love hopefully he'll keep going strong i need him (laughs) people are adorable Mm -hmm. all right so this was also the time that funeral-related businesses were just booming. So there was coffin makers and bombers and grave diggers. It's one of those things. It's the one inevitability of life. You're going to die. So they made a business out of it. And it was also during this time that burials were moved into large parks in the country because cities could no longer have the room to bury them near their homes. So this became the first instance of park-style cemeteries like we have today. Okay. All right, so uh, let's get let's get into it with the etiquette. Oh, there's a lot, and a lot of it's very complicated. And I I had cut so much or so much. Huh. So etiquette was rigorously like just studied, and you had to meet it. And it was like that for all Victorians. Their entire life was about proper etiquette, so I guess that's not too crazy, far fetched, you know. So, like, today, if you go to a funeral service, anybody can attend. You know, there's usually an obituary, and it's just like, if you knew that person, show up, you know? That did not happen in the Victorian age. You had to be invited with a written invitation, and your ass better not show up if they did not invite you. (laughs) (laughs) Say, whole thing. It was not proper, however, to send invitations to a funeral of a person who died from a contagious disease. In this case, there would just be a simple notice of death posted in the local newspaper with the simple phrase, funeral private, and all would be understood. Funeral guests were then expected to arrive precisely an hour before the service was to begin. Upon entering the funeral parlor or the house of the deceased, men were expected to remove their hats and not replace them again while in the house. Loud talking and laughter were strictly forbidden, and interviews with the family at the time should not be expected. In the home or funeral parlor, the remains of the deceased were placed in such a way that the corpse was in view. So the first instance of like a wake visitation, you know. Uh, The assembled guests would pass by in a single file past the coffin, going from foot to head, up one aisle, down the other, which that's how most funerals have been when I went, but have open casket. On the way to the burial, there were strict etiquette of who stands where, how many people are following, how many steps behind, and it was very important people follow this. I have a feeling I would not do well in this society. No, I might get. Where do I go? Where do I stand? Oh, I can't go because I'm a lady. Okay, thanks. I'll just stay I'll here. Never mind then. Yeah. <laughs> There were three distinct mourning periods. There was deep mourning or full mourning, the (laughs) second mourning or a half mourning. The length of time for each period would depend on your relationship to the deceased. For example, women were to be in deep mourning for two years after her husband's death, essentially keeping them from being comforted by others. So it's kind of, I mean, very drastic is your story, but this is also keeping women you know, kind of punishing you for your husband dying. You're not allowed to have a life. They weren't allowed to leave the house unless they went to church. So it's very isolating. I'm I'm fine if you want to mourn and I'm fine. Again, it's, I guess it's all, it's all about consent. 
mm-hmm. it's, it's one thing if she wants to mourn and, you know, not remarry or just whatever the case may be, but to have to have these rules follow so strictly in society, it just it blows my mind. I would oh, yeah. fail. I, I wouldn't even, well, what am I saying? I wouldn't even make it. I'd be, <laughs> I'd be long dead because of bread chocolate. That's true. That's what I'm saying. I had scarlet fever as a kid, so I probably wouldn't have survived that. But... How the hell did you get scarlet fever? You know, I don't know. <laughs> 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 That's like a, we should ask my mom someday. I don't know. I just know I had it and it sucked. <laughs> just, okay. I had a really high fever. So uh, I'm glad I am smart because I could have fried some brain cells that time. Anyway, and that was two years of deep mourning. There's like still half mourning in the second morning after that. So you're essentially going to be mourning ever. And so if you're a parent who lost a child, you were in deep mourning for nine months and half mourning for three months. Children who lost their parents mourned for the same amount of time. And if it was the death of a sibling, it required three months of deep mourning and three months of half mourning. And then in-laws, aunts, uncles, cousins, etc., had a uh, six weeks to six months of deep mourning. So your proximity to the person is telling you how much. There were rules of what men and women could wear in each period of mourning. And I'm sure you're going to be shocked to hear that women were really the only ones that had to do anything. So I know, just take your jaw off the floor. I can tell you were completely shocked. (laughs) I guess with that, compared to, like, throwing yourself on a pyre, <laughs> I guess I'd rather wear black for three years <laughs> than burning a lot. <laughs> so men had it pretty easy. They just had to wear black gloves, a dark suit, and a black band around their hat. Uh, children didn't have really specific rules. Sometimes they'd wear black, and then sometimes little girls would wear white, depending on the situation. The rules were really meant for women. The dress dictated for women was uncomfortable and potentially dangerous, which, you know, also shocking. <laughs> women were to be dressed completely in black, covered in crepe, a stiff, scratchy fabric. I don't know if you've ever touched it. It's not not comfortable. In addition to being uncomfortable, they also wore crinoline in their petticoats. And it was very flammable. And it would actually catch on fire <laughs> when it cooked. Sorry. <laughs> It's just funny. <laughs> it's like a bad, like, cartoon. Yeah. I mean, women had to do all the cooking, and then they had to wear flammable clothes that constantly caught on fire. It just, it just seems like a really shitty, like, you're already mourning. It's already terrible. It's like you're, it's like you're trying to get them killed at this point. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a goal. So there was a article, like, a magazine from this time period that spells out every single stage and what outfit is and how it changes for each stage. And I'll put that on the website because that would have been a whole story on its own. But it's really cool if you're into that kind of thing. I mean, I'm a nerd, so I was geeking out. But All right, now into the fun <laughs> stuff. This is more of the funny, I think. Ooh. So anything that belonged to the deceased, jewelry or other items, were collected and they were kept as a memento. And the memento is a reminder of the deceased, which I don't think is too far off from what we do now. But here's where it changes. They would keep locks of hair as a memento, and it was common for people to make the hair into pins, hair clips, rings, bracelets, or just like woven into like a brooch type hair jewelry situation. Just put it in the locket. <laughs> it's 
common enough that if you went to a flea market antique store and you find something that looks like human hair, it probably is. Yes. It's probably somebody's memento. So it's, it's common enough. And then, uh, the most macabre was a memento mori, which means remember your mortality. Ooh. It's not funny, but it is. Okay. Photos of the deceased <laughs> that portrayed them in lifelike settings reflect oh. their personality. <laughs> There we go. Yeah. Photography at the time was still something, it was new and it was like a novelty, but it was, a, it was accessible and affordable for at least the middle class. So it wasn't like only rich people could do it. So they wanted to have a photo keepsake of their loved one. These photos were designed to make the deceased look very natural and then they were considered prized possessions. But when I say natural, it means like if you were a carpenter, you'd be photographed in the woodshed. Like, propped up. Like, you're working on wood. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, very, like, Weekend at Bernie's in my head. This is all in yes. the all I'm getting that, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. If you were a priest, you would be photographed in the church. Uh, oh, and in order to make sure the deceased looked natural in these photos, the photographer would either prop the deceased eyes open, which I'm also thinking, like, Looney Tunes with, like, the toothpicks holding eyeballs up. Yep. Or they would just paint pupils on them, like on their eyelids, which <laughs> the photos are just like chef's kiss, like the painted eyeballs, because they don't look realistic at all. No. <laughs> so they look so bad. <laughs> oh, God, it's so interesting to me. Sometimes they would even put rouge on the cheeks to make it look like you have a nice little flush, you know? So there's that, too, which, I mean, we make it, put makeup on the dead now, so... Yeah, yeah. Like, See, now I'm thinking of Death Becomes Her and he uses <laughs> spray paint. Mm-hmm. I love that movie so much. I want to watch it now. It might seem morbid now, but these photos are pretty much all they had of their loved ones. So they didn't, it's not like today we have photos of everybody. So, you know, if that's the only photo you have of that person. It makes me think of Jimmy Kimmel, where they did a Back to the Future segment in 2015 because they come to 2015 in the movie. And he's like, He's showing Doc what a phone is, and he's like, we're going to take a selfie. What's a selfie? It's how, how we record historical documents. <laughs> yes. I know that was really random, but it made me think about that. <laughs> I love it. Okay, my next favorite part is all the superstitions and fear behind death. Some of them are so fucking hilarious. I love it so much. So, you know... To ease into it, this isn't as funny, but as soon as a death occurred, the curtains would be drawn and then all the clocks would be stopped. So symbolically, it represented that the family is in mourning, they've lost somebody, and that your entire world has stopped, which, you know, if you've lost somebody, that's pretty accurate. But the stopping of the clock also prevented anybody else in the family from experiencing a run of bad luck. And thus it begins. Superstition. (laughs) I'm like in a fort, basically. I'm trying to help with the sound, but I have a ladder over me, so I'm like technically under a ladder talking about superstition, so this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Just occurred to me. In addition to the clocks being stopped and the curtains drawn, mirrors were covered with crepe or veiling to prevent the deceased spirit from getting trapped in the looking glass. Picture frames were often turned down to prevent the spirit from possessing one of the remaining survivors. That's creepy. Yeah. That's fuck. That is really creepy. I think we talked about, oh, Lord help me, I can't remember what episode it was, but I talked about the Bella Gosi mirror. And yes. that was the idea is that his soul was trapped in it. So 
Ooh, that well, creeps fun. Creeps me out. <laughs> Do not like that. They would also put a wreath made of black ribbons on the door that alerted people in the town that somebody had died in everybody's mourning. If multiple deaths occurred in the family, the remaining family would tie a white ribbon over anything, read anything that left the house, including their chickens. <laughs> I like picturing chickens running around with that around them. <laughs> Pallbearers had to wear gloves so that the spirit didn't enter them through direct co- or contact. I almost said coffee. What the fuck? Why, why would I say coffee? <laughs> direct contact. <laughs> oh, God. So when somebody died, they had to be carried out feet first out the door so that their spirit couldn't look back and beckon to the family for another one of them to join them. Well, that, no. I'm. I don't get that one. I'm just assuming that maybe one time they went head first and then somebody had a heart attack and they're like, oh, shit. I know. I'm like, somebody's just, how did, it, how did that get started? Flip them around. Flip them around. We can't do that shit no more. And fuck that. <laughs> this is one of my favorite little things. So for some reason in the 18th and 19th centuries, there was this massive fear of being buried alive. So mm-hmm. some people kind of took advantage of this fear and developed a safety coffin where a bell was placed on top of the grave and then the other end of the rope was put in their hand. And so the idea is if they woke up, they could ring the bell and then the graveyard workers would, you know, come save them. Thus came the saying saved by the bell. That's also how we have graveyard shift. Yes. (sighs) They also put up mirrors and tubes so that the grave diggers could see inside the coffin and look for movement when they were, you know, doing their thing. If the deceased has lived a good life, flowers will bloom on the grave. But if they have been evil, only weeds will grow. I mean, or oh, shit. I guess that is that how you know? Like, is that like the gossip circle of how you know if they're going to hell or heaven? Then basically, well, what if they bury you in like a shit plot that just has weeds anyway? That's my fault. If you hear a clap of thunder following a burial, it indicates that the soul has departed and reached heaven. That one's actually sweet. What if you hear a booty clap? <laughs> oh god oh man i hope you did the stripper china story because i saw that one i did not but i feel oh. like i need to we will okay uh, we will add this on the extra patrons and patreon i'm making a note right now what is it stripper funerals uh, in china i i saw it when i was looking for stuff and i was like all right so the booty clap made me think of that all right, y'all. Yeah, that's going to be on the extra. <laughs> yes. Okay, so bodies are traditionally laid with their feet facing the east, since that's where the final judgment will come, according to some religions. Not to be all. <laughs> like, everybody must believe that. Okay. Sitting up with the dead, or wakes, were to ensure that the deceased was really dead and not in a coma, so they had to be watched every moment before the funeral. To avoid grave robbers and supposed vampire risings, I put an iron cage over graves for quite a time. Which, those are really cool looking. I don't know if you've ever seen a cemetery with those, but they're really neat. But yeah, they were like <laughs> monster mash, like everything's coming up. Zombies, vampires, everybody's. As it, was this when Frankenstein came out? Yeah, yeah. 19th century had a lot of the good classic horror characters. No wonder I'm... all they're thinking about is death. No wonder they had some really great I actually met a lady today in the library, and her last name is Frankenstein. Oh, man, that's cool. I bet she hated it as a kid, though. Yeah. 
She's not that much a fan of it. Uh, is she actually, she comes to some of my story times. She has a granddaughter and her son-in-law is a huge movie buff. And he, when he found out that the maiden name is Frankenstein, he named their daughter. The middle name is Frankenstein. <laughs> and so she's going to have to have Frankenstein as her middle name. And I asked her, I'm like, so when she gets to college, is she going to tell people it's pronounced Frankenstein? <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> uh, that has to be like a requirement. <laughs> yeah, you're doing it wrong if you don't. <laughs> Man. And if you leave something that belongs to you with the deceased, like in their coffin, it supposedly meant that that person would come back to get you, which I'm assuming means that the final judgment, not just like haunting, but it didn't specify. So, <laughs> yeah, but I, I've seen a lot of funerals where people put stuff in the caskets and Boy. yeah, one of my dad's patients got buried with all of his fish and stuff. Like he had his little vest. And he had all his little fishing rods and a tackle box. Like, it was a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I had a cousin that always was in overalls because he worked on the farm and a mechanic and stuff. So he was buried in his overalls and a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. And and his wife and kids, like, the, the closest of his family, all were overalls just matching and for him. And so, because that's what he wore instead of black or really fancy yeah. clothes they were, they were all in some overalls <laughs> yeah i love that i like the personalization of it my uh when i was 20 best friend died and i remember we all put like fairies in her casket she really liked fairies so she had a lot of fairies that we all got her but i like those things although i want to be cremated so no caskets for me <laughs> uh, we'll have a little kina shrine i want to have like i keep telling i want to be a tree and then you know, Zeke has to, like, tote my tree around, you know, and explain it to all <laughs> future ex-girlfriends. And then the other day, I was like, oh, you can make me into a diamond. He's like, oh, so I can give it to my next wife? And I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it's like, you thought of that too fast. Well, and if anyway, you can, like, haunt her, though. Oh, that's I mean... 1,000%. We've both told each other we're going to haunt the shit out of each other, whoever goes first. I have plans. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, he's gonna die and then just push you in the fire. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, pretty much. All right. So then I also found a few other things that don't necessarily have to do with a close person dying, just other superstitions. Um, you should had to always cover your mouth while yawning so that your spirit didn't leave your body and the devil enter. So <laughs> yeah, I. I, I I know that when you say, you know, bless you, that's also so that you don't lose your soul. So they really thought that your soul was just trying to get out, like, constantly. You just couldn't keep that shit in there, apparently. Yeah, is it, is it also, like, demons? They think demons are in you and they're just coming out of you, too? Or is it just your soul escaping when you cease? I think it depends on the time period, I'm sure. I mean... I, say, I remember demons, too. They thought demons were coming out of your nose. Yeah, like our asylum stories. There was a lot of demons rattling around <laughs> trying to get out. <laughs> people, people be crazy, y'all. People be crazy. Uh, the next one I knew about, if you meet a funeral procession head on, you have to like stop and then wait for it to go by, which I thought was just a thing everybody did. Maybe that's just a southern thing. I don't know. Oh. Yeah. So, like if you're on the road, you pull over and just wait for it to go by. Uh, yeah it's supposed to be a sign of respect i guess yeah and then it said that it's also bad luck to meet them head on and 
if it's unavoidable to turn around, you're supposed to hold the button until the funeral passes. Hold the button. A button on your shirt or something. I don't oh. have buttons. I don't I either, goddammit. <laughs> I have done. I wear stretchy pants and I wear shirts that don't have buttons, so I'm, I'm fucked, I guess. Yeah, me too. It was the first day that it wasn't like 90 degrees at 7 in the morning, so I was like, ooh, legging season! So yeah, I'm wearing basic white girl <laughs> out there right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one is if you smell roses, but there are none around, somebody's going to die. Or maybe you're having a stroke. Don't you smell weird shit when you're about to have a stroke? Yeah. It's you. You're going to die. You're having a stroke. Go to the doctor. If you hear three knocks (laughs) and nobody's there, that means somebody close to you is going to die. I mean... Is there any good omens? (laughs) I know there are, but it's just like... (laughs) Maybe... Maybe your house is possessed, and that's why you're going to die. Why can't it just be like, it's going to rain that day? <laughs> Versus like, no, everyone, you and everyone around you just going to die. You're going to die. The next one is if you don't hold your breath while going into a graveyard, or going by a graveyard, sorry, you will not be buried. Seems very extreme. What if it's a really big-ass graveyard? Like, oh, shit. I have heard that, and I have tried doing that before as a kid, and... Sometimes still as an adult. And also holding my breath when I go into a tunnel. When I'm driving and I go into a tunnel. Yeah. Ours was always bridges. <laughs> the Mississippi Bridge was really long. I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, just think about a cemetery like Arlington or like Normandy. Like a war cemetery. You would die. They're yeah. too long. You can't walk past that. I just don't do it. Oh, here's another one. If a sparrow lands on a piano, somebody in the house is going to die. Why is there a bird in the house? I mean, there's been a bird in my house before, but it was an accident. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, quick anecdote. I sometimes leave the door open a little crack when the dogs are just in and out or whatever. And it was one of those days. And I kept hearing something. I was in another room and I kept on hearing like, slapping against something i was like oh shit so i went in there and there was a bird in the house and i was like oh no and then another one swooped in and then at one point there was three birds in my living room and i was like oh no so i was like huh but then i was like i know how to do this i worked at PetSmart, so i was you know dealing with the birds but then one of them just broke away from the other ones and went into my entryway which is all glass it looks kind of like a lighthouse so the whole top part's glass it was just like sunken into it thinking it was outside it was not so (laughs) But fun fact, birds can't fly very well if you get their wings wet, so you spray them with a spray bottle, and then they boop down, and then you can scoot them out the door. So, yeah. That's happened to my mom before. My mom, when she'll, when she'd leave the door cracked for her cat to go in and out, I, it, we, all kinds of animals have, have creeped into her house before. Yeah. And she's, she's had to catch a bird or two. <laughs> yeah. I have oh, had the pleasure of that. Having my sister on Thanksgiving one day, it was really funny. She's screaming, and I was just like, it's okay, I'm a professional, because I worked at PetSmart. I got this. I was like, it happens so often. The tricky one was when you lost a lizard. Those are really hard to catch, because they can climb walls. That was, that was, birds are easy. Don't let a gecko get on your wall. (laughs) Never catch. Anyway, if you spill salt, you throw it over your shoulder to prevent death. I thought it was just bad luck. Amaria told me that and when you spilled salt, the devil appears, so that's why you throw it over your left shoulder is throw salt in its eye. 
Oh, yeah, I never do that, so I'm just screwed. I spill a lot of shit. (laughs) We'll see. Never speak ill of the dead because they will come back to haunt you or you will suffer misfortune. I like to think that I'm not speaking ill. I'm speaking honestly. (laughs) I like how you think. And then the last superstition is if a picture falls off the wall, there will be death of someone you know. Or, you know, an earthquake. That could be that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Or... A frame was hung very shittily, which is possible. (laughs) (laughs) And then I found this little tidbit from Psychology Today, and I thought it was really sweet, so I'm just going to read this directly from it. It says, in the Victorian era, no one would ever think of telling a mourner that they have grieved long enough or that they should hurry up and get over it. Indeed, it would have been most the egregious breach of protocol to do so, but it's often what is told to mourners today. We are less tolerant of people's grief. Many of our customs today would certainly be shocking to somebody in the Victorian era. Over the years, we have become a society that doesn't want to think about or talk about death. Perhaps the most important thing we can learn from the Victorians is their openness in talking about and planning for death. It does not need to be the focus of our lives as it was then, but we do need to have more open and important conversations. Oh, that was sweet. I, uh, I agree. You know, and, like, grief is one of those things that's different with everybody, you know. I was, um, I did a podcast called Three Dumb Blondes, and they were talking about grief. And I talked about my experience with my best friend and then my dad and how different grief was because my dad knew he was dying. Our relationship was a little rocky. And then, you know, my best friend was, like, my person, and then she was gone. So. Because it is totally different from when you're kind of prepared and maybe have some closure versus Mm -hmm. a sudden death. Or if someone's at least older, at least they've had at least somewhat of a lifetime versus someone dying in their 20s or 30s mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. Or a child. So we should not mourn as much as the Victorians, but, you know, maybe we should be a less taboo. Which there is a podcast called Funeral Stories, and I love it because the whole thing is like, everybody asks you how that baby shower was last week but nobody talks about the funeral you went to yesterday and it's about like making it less taboo and stuff and you know there's always something funny that happens at a funeral like almost every funeral has something that's hilarious so highly recommend it it cracks me up because my dad's funeral was like a shit show and it got to the point where it was just (laughs) hilarious and we're just like rolling with it (laughs) like the celebration of life it talked about we uh my dad loved the kinks so we just blasted rock music the whole time, and all his little old lady patients were just horrified. Hey, oh yeah, no, I told my mom, I told my mom at her funeral we're playing Highway to Hell, definitely. <laughs> yes. Makes yeah. play some Sarah Sarah McLaughlin, and then we're gonna play <laughs> Highway to Hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah, I don't really care what people do. I don't know. I don't want to ruin good songs because I know of funerals I've been to. If somebody played a song, I forever think of the funeral. So, I don't want to ruin all my good songs. I want people to rock out to the good ones. <laughs> don't be sad. No, I'm sorry, kid. When, when you die, I'm definitely just going to blast Foo Fighters for no! however many things. Because we both love Foo Fighters so much. So oh my that's, god. That's yeah. But it'll be a good memory for me. I won't think of it that badly. That's true. It's yeah. a celebration. Yeah. Alright, what's your next story? So... That was an amazing kind of Victorian list you got there. So I'm going to switch it up and do my historical thing. That was my other one. 
and we're going to talk about burials in China. Woo! And as I said before, and I'm going to keep to this, if you are patron on Patreon, I'm going to do, apparently, stripper funerals. <laughs> that is going to be a thing, and that is a thing now, and it will be so. <laughs> oh, Coming to you the, soon. The headline really jumped out at me. I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> I need to reach you later. <laughs> <laughs> but this will be more traditional Chinese burials. I was bouncing back between a couple of articles. One, it, I'll just read the first paragraph of it. It just kind of talks about ancient ones, which is the custom of burying grave goods with dead bodies lasted a long time. So the artifacts re- remain range from Neolithic times. So about 5000 BC, actually, oh, to wow. the end of the Ming dynasty, which was the 1600, 1644 to be exact. So that's like a long ass time, I guess, ancient Egypt kind of like burying these tombs with all the goods and everything. And I know everyone knows about the, the stone army and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. They're always elaborate, but we're talking about more mainstream, y'all. Most of them come from the graves of the few with wealth and power. The lives of most people passed into history unrecorded. Elements of this ancient custom live on today in the practice of burning paper representation of luxury goods at Chinese funerals. Oh, cool. I actually think that is kind of neat. It's sort of like their gift to the spirit. And that is one thing the Chinese really harness. It's always about the spirit Mm -hmm. and the body and the soul. And it's more of leaving little objects and little gifts for that person, for that spirit. And I think it's interesting that their customs are actually older than any religion we have now yeah this this isn't after christ or anything like that like these are things that actually have been happening for them forever and even in recorded history and that's my making different pottery and different things so jumping to the other article the job of coordinating and preparing the Chinese funerals falls onto the children or younger family members of the deceased. It is part of devotion to one's parents. Family members must consult the Chinese almanac to determine the best date to hold the Chinese funeral ceremony. Funeral homes and local temples help the family prepare the body and coordinate the, the rites. Announcements of the funeral are sent to form invitations. For most Chinese funerals, the invitations are white. If the person was 80 or older, they're actually pink. Oh. Living until 80 or beyond is considered a feat well worth ce- celebrating, and mourners should celebrate the person's life, like how long they've lived, rather than actually mourning. The invitation includes information about the funeral's date, time, and location, and maybe have a small obituary, you know, date of birth, whoever lives who has survived them, like a little family tree. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they'll give a little phone call, may proceed the paper invitation. It's a, it's a thing. It's kind of, it makes me think of the Victorian as you're talking about it. Like, man, they have a lot of steps in yeah. their stuff. So guests at a Chinese funeral wear somber colors like black. Bright colorful clothing, especially red, must be avoided unless the person that died was 80 or older. Red oh. and bright colors are what their happy color. So if someone died mm-hmm. under 80, then you wear black or white. Oh, I love but red. If they're over 80, then wear white, pink, and red. Those are very acceptable. 
Okay, well, I hope I live past 80 because I want people to wear red at my funeral. I like red. That'd be kind of Makes me happy. There's often a wake preceding the funeral that may last several days. Family members are expected to keep an overnight vigil for at least one night in which the person's picture, flowers, and candles are placed on the body and the family sits nearby. During the wake, family and friends bring flowers and wreaths and banners and uh, white envelopes with cash, actually. Ooh. I'm like, I'm up for some money. Is that for the Uh, the white. (laughs) The white envelopes are similar to red ones that are given at weddings. So it's just sort of a a tradition to give money, and it kind of helps pay for the funeral. And if you actually die while you're working, so not retired or anything, the place where you work, they're supposed to actually give you a decent amount of money to help pay for it and a nice wreath. Oh my so, goodness. I love that. I think that's awful. Awesome. It doesn't matter if you're a CEO or a janitor, like you're supposed they're supposed to help pay for a funeral and some sort of contribution. Yeah, to and it. other cultures are so thoughtful. <laughs> they're so, <laughs> so generous. That's so um, sweet. And at the funeral the family will burn Joss paper or spirit paper which just ensure your loved one has a safe journey to the netherworld so it's basically and that can be like fake paper money and miniature items cars houses and televisions are burned i actually saw this in a movie about china where someone passed away and they made a paper house that perfectly replicated the mansion that the lady mm-hmm. lived in and burned it so she could have that in her afterlife the house Aww. oh i love it, that it, it can be very elaborate so, it, and it's always associated with the loved one's interest. This way, they have everything they need when they enter the spirit world. A eulogy is given, and if the person was religious, prayers may also be said. I like that they do this. It's not even religious. Like, this is just a thing that they do for passing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I know in ancient times and in now, so it didn't really matter what religion. It, sometimes, they actually would have, like, a Buddhist monk and a priest of some kind from two different religions actually say, a prayer of some kind. Oh, I love that. Uh, and then someone would read some nice scripture or something nice about passing on or read some historical documents of, of family and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a, kind of like an all round good vibes of any kind of perspective, really. Yeah. It just and seems also peaceful. I really enjoy this. The family will distribute to guests red envelopes with a coin inside to ensure that they return home safely. The family may also give guests a piece of candy that must be consumed that day and before going home. Aww. A handkerchief is also given. The envelope with the coin and the t- and the candy, the sweet, and handkerchief should not be taken home, actually. I don't know what you do with it beforehand, but it says they're not supposed to take it home. You eat it, <laughs> and then I don't know what you do with the handkerchief and the coin, but... Uh, okay. Uh, one, <laughs> it is a mystery. One, There's no way to know. <laughs> one final item is a piece of red thread may be given. The red thread should be taken home. That one thing you do take home. And you tie it to the doorknob to keep evil spirits away. Oh, that's cool. I guess so. Just in case spirits follow you from mm-hmm. the graveyard or wherever. After the funeral ceremony, a funeral procession, the cemetery or crematorium is held. Sometimes they hire a band, usually, to play music. To <laughs> They play loud music to frighten spirits and ghosts. Oh, I love that. 
the family wears morning clothes and walk behind the band. So it kind of makes me think of Louisiana mm-hmm. and New Orleans. They do this following the family and in the hearse and a sedan containing the coffin. I like that they actually sometimes will hire mourners to cry loudly and to look really sad and to kind of fill up their procession. So it looks like a lot of people are mourning the person. Aww. Like, I ran into that a lot too, the wailing in a lot of different cultures. Mm-hmm. You know, America and England, everybody's supposed to be composed, you know, but almost every other culture I looked into, they acceptable to like scream and wail and cry. And Yeah, I, I'm not about that, but I understand that that's, we're mourning so deeply for it. Yeah, but we are Southern. We're supposed to be all quiet and composed and, you know, suffer silently. So that's how we were all raised. (laughs) Lastly, depending on the personal preference, uh, they can be buried or cremated. Probably more often cremated now since China has uh, quite the population and probably running out of room of grave sites and everything. But the family does make an annual visitation, usually on... Zingming or tomb sweeping festival. So once a year they have this festival where people go and will lay the little gifts for the dead and everything. So it's kind of like their own day of the dead. Oh, cool. Going on. And for mourning, men, if a man dies, you wear a band on your left sleeve. If a woman passes away, you wear a band that's pinned to the right sleeve. Oh. Uh, the mourning band is worn for the duration uh, 49 to 100 days. Mourners also wear somber clothes. Bright and colorful ones are avoided during this mourning period. So they have a whole mourning period as well, actually. Oh, that's cool. I think I might have skipped it, but I'll go in through. But I think it's interesting that the children actually wear blue. Oh, yeah, that is really like interesting. They, they actually wear different colors. And they are they are arranged where it's kind of the oldest to youngest. It's like it's the sons and daughters of the family. And then if you're married into the family you go next and then it's the grandchildren and whatnot oh that's cool they they wear blue in the procession uh, it's a lot of steps i feel like and color it coding <laughs> yeah it is a lot but, of steps. but i respect it and i i like the peacefulness of it and just kind of interesting and the fact and even though this is going on today a lot of this stuff has actually been going on for many 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 years Mm-hmm. This is not new, and a lot of these customs are actually ancient and very historical. Man, that's really cool. I also noticed that a lot of cultures have really long mourning periods. They're the ones that put a lot of emphasis on ancestors, like spirituality mm-hmm. and their ancestors being around. So the one I'm going to do next week is also, they have a really long mourning period. All right, guys, we are having our spooky movie giveaway. So we are giving away a movie night. It's going to have a booze glass, some Marcy shit from Nat. Then it's going to have some scary movies and popcorn and candy. So if you want to be eligible for said prize, you need to join Patreon. Yay. That's a cool ass prize, too. So like, oh, you're welcome. It is. I'm so <laughs> excited. I am going to be etching the booze glass and it's the first time I've ever uh, glass etched and I'm really excited. So pumped but yeah you should definitely join patreon i know we're always preaching about it but we got a lot of really cool shit on there and now we're gonna have chinese strippers on there or stripper funerals china's 
Not or both. Or we'll see. Or we'll both. see what happens. Yeah, yeah, we add so much extra content on there. It's actually ridiculous. Anyway, so you should definitely check that out. It's patreon.com slash historical AF pod. Super easy. Go there now. And if for some reason you just paid rent and you need to go somewhere else, you're welcome to check out our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, uh, which is also at historical AF pod. We have all kinds of cool postings. I love our Mad Libs and our Fun Fact Tuesdays and everything else we have going on because we just love to throw shit at you, basically. And oh, yeah. I think most of it's pretty funny, pretty legit to some extent, you know? Oh, yeah. I've been going crazy with memes lately. They're really funny. I love memes. <laughs> History memes for days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also with the social media, you'll see when there are sales on our merch site, which is yes. shop.spreadshirt.com slash historical AF pod. And then we tell you when things are going up. So if you're on Patreon, we'll post on Instagram what's going up, when's going up, all that good stuff. So definitely follow us, you know. And- Lastly, we always could use our sto- your stories. Oh, please. Send us your stories. Especially right now in Halloween. Come on. We need it's those spooky, spooky stories. It's spooky season. <laughs> Send us a spooky. Yeah, it's Halloween can... until Christmas for me, baby. All right? Come on. <laughs> Nightmare before Christmas. Oh so let's God. keep those, those scary stories. And it, it, could, it could just be a, a random fun fact. I don't care. Yeah. Our Gmail is storkalafpod at gmail.com. Yeah, yeah, that's the motif. Historical AF pod, anything, just about. <laughs> just Except for a website, that was my bad. It's historical AF podcast at WordPress dot, or, dot WordPress dot com, and it's gonna have. I think I have more sources for today's and next week's episode than I've ever had before. It's probably gonna be like <laughs> twenty bullets. But yeah, there's so much additional reading, things that I wanted to include, but it would have taken five hours. So if you want to check those out and then all the photos we're going to put up, you should definitely go there. There's blog style and then there's links to everything we've talked about. So you can just go there. It's your one stop shop for all things us. (laughs) And then also, if you want to rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, that'd be awesome, too, because, you know, if you like us, share us. And we're really close to 10K. Please share us so we can get 10,000 listens very excited thank you for listening so happy that y'all listen to us but we just want to share our nerdy knowledge to the world so share 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 review us please and thank you for listening thank y'all so much we'll see you next week with part two of funeral customs bye Bye. see (laughs) you